Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon was taken from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website, www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. If you have a look at the title of this message this morning, it's quite hectic. It says, lying leads to dying. Yes, anybody want to leave? (laughs) How many of you have been enjoying the book of Acts? Because we've been encouraging folks to read through the book of Acts. And uh, I think what I love about the book of Acts is the amount of stories in the book of Acts. Um, Those who've got to know me know I love reading, and I particularly love reading murder, detective kinds of stories. And uh, and so I'm just loving all these stories that you find in Acts. But they're not just stories. They are being told with a purpose. And we need to remember that every story, every, every line, even the genealogies, are there to tell us something about who God is and how he expects us to live. We see that that Acts is the story of what Jesus was doing at the start of the church. It's almost like Jesus walked with these disciples for three years and they got nothing. There's a verse where Jesus says, how long must I be with you folks, I'm paraphrasing, before you get it? But suddenly at his resurrection, it seems like these disciples had an aha moment. And they suddenly realized everything that God was trying to to teach them in his time with them. Acts is not necessarily a comfortable book to read. You know, if you're just going to read it and go through it, you're going to think, oh, cool. But if you start reading it and say, Lord, what are you trying to say to me through the events that take place in Acts, it can become rather challenging. And so this morning, we're going to look at one of those uncomfortable stories. And there are lots of stories like that in the Bible where I go, Lord, really, what are you trying to tell me here? And this happens to be one of those. So let's, let's have a look. We're going to look at the story of Ananias and his wife, Sapphira. So I'm sure many of you know the story, but let's just read the story with new lenses, if we can do that. So open your Bibles to Acts 5, verse 1 to 11. Otherwise, it is up on the, on the screen for you to read with us. All my scriptures come from the NIV. So if your, if your version reads differently, just know this is from the NIV. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. 
when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Just at the Sanakis, the Jewish custom is that you bury the person on the day that they have died. So this is not a weird scripture, okay? <laughs> when Ananias, uh, verse 7, about three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Well, hold on. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down, dead at his feet, and died. Or she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. I often think, these poor guys, they've just gone to bury one here, they come back in, whoops, here's another one. Can you imagine our undertakers? Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. There's so much in these 11 chapters that I could keep you here until five o'clock this evening in time for prayer and praise. And boy, will you be praising after I've spent you, had you here the whole day. <laughs> But ouch, folks, this is one of those uncomfortable stories to read. But we need to understand and look for the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach us in this story. So I'm going to try and pull out some of the pertinent facts in just five points. No, six points. Sorry. There were five, and then we happened to get to six. So are you ready? Let's go. To understand what was happening in terms of they, they bought, they sold land and they brought the money to Jesus, we need to go and look at Acts 4, verse 32, so that we understand the context of what was actually happening. This didn't happen just out of the blue that they suddenly sold land and went to go and put the money at the apostles' feet. There was a pattern that was taking the place, that was taking place. So chapter 4, verse 30 says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Oh, isn't that just such a beautiful phrase? Folks, as believers, we need to be one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Here's a good name for your kids, those people who are waiting for their next one sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Notice, here's one particular person who's mentioned in terms of what he did. So here we can see there was a pattern of these events. People would sell stuff and bring the money and lay it at the apostles' feet. And, and this was happening all over that Jerusalem church. And none of it was dictated to them 
by the apostles. Nowhere in these scriptures do we get that the apostles said, you shalt selleth your landeth and bringeth me the moneyeth. <laughs> There's none of that. The fact of the matter is that this was because the people were expressing an understanding of what Jesus had done for them. They would probably have been living in the time of Jesus' crucifixion. This was real for them. They understood what had happened at Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection, and then what had happened with him leaving for the, for the Lord. We just celebrated that now, this week, the ascension. Thank you. My husband realized I couldn't remember the word. <laughs> they got it. They understood that what they were doing, what they were giving, what they were living into was because of what Jesus had done for them. He's great, great sacrifice for them. So for them, there was no sacrifice in what they were giving. Do I get an amen? Giving freely and blessing others freely was no challenge because they were doing it out of a heart of love for Jesus. Please remember that phrase, a heart of love for Jesus. So let's have a look at dear Ananias and Sapphira. Yuck, if there were ever two silly people in the Bible, this must be them. Ananias and Sapphira. So it seems that these people were aware of what was happening in the church. They were actually part of the church body. They weren't some odd people from out there. They were actually part of the church body, and they were aware of this pattern of people selling stuff and bringing the money to the apostles' feet. So, so they had a knowledge of what was happening. And um, maybe because Barnabas got a special mention, something crept into their hearts. We don't know if Barnabas got thanked publicly or, or something, but he appears to have, some things appears to have happened from the scriptures. So we can only think that maybe something crept into their hearts and Ananias and Sapphira wanted some of that same recognition. There's a beautiful verse in the Bible, and I've only thought of it now. But don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. So we don't allow things to creep into our hearts. And what do they do? They go, let's sell some land. Good thought. Nothing wrong with that. And then let's give some of the money to the apostles. This is where the problem crept in. And I'm going to tell you now it's not about the money, so don't hear that, okay? Just hear, hear everything else. And what's so sad is that Sapphira, for Sapphira, agreed to conquer the apostles, to, to lie to them, to deceive them, and didn't call a check on him and say, Ananias, my man, maybe this is not right. And uh, a whole lot of deaths could have been prevented. But what does she do? 
she agrees with Ananias. Ah, so let's have a look at Peter, good old Peter. Many have said that Peter knew what was going to happen in the story, but I want to suggest that possibly he didn't. You know, none of us leaders wish death on any of our people. Seriously. Some of us we wish a good hiding on, but... <laughs> and I don't think Peter had that in his heart. He wasn't wishing death on anybody. He was possibly just wanting to bring some correction, maybe some guidance, uh, maybe help them to understand that what they were doing was not right. It, it wasn't in his heart, but... He didn't know what was going to happen. You know, you need to understand, though, that we all have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can speak to us. And remember, at this stage, the Holy Spirit had come on all of those who were in that, in that meeting room and had fallen. You can see in Acts 2 verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to fill every single one of you because the Holy Spirit doesn't have favorites. Okay, just get that. Peter was not trying to be difficult when he challenged Ananias. He was simply trying to show Ananias that his ways were wrong. In verse 4, verse, the B section of verse 4, you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. The Spirit knows us. He knows everything about us. There's nothing we can hide from Him. He knows us. And so Ananias had lied not just to the apostles, but to God Himself. Verse 4 says, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? Folks, what you have is yours. Yes, it's given to you by the Lord. Please get that into your heads, but it's yours. What you earn, what you sell, what you buy, what you do, it's yours. And the money that you gain from it, it is yours. Let's not fool God. When we seek God's approval, we fall into a trap of pride. And when pride enters, man, you start lying. I hope the quote is up. No. Can we have the next slide? No. Go back. There's a quote and it'll appear. Pride opens the door to every other sin. Because once we are more concerned with our reputation than our character... When we are more concerned with our reputation than our character, there is no end to the things we will do to make ourselves look good before others. Pride opens the door to every other sin because once we are more concerned with our reputation than our character, there is no end to the things we will do to make ourselves look good before others. Ouch. Romans 8 verse 5 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. 
but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Holy Spirit. James 1 verse 15 says, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Folks, God is very, very serious about us lying to him. What did Ananias and Sapphira desire? They desired the approval of man and probably wanted some of the benefit of the money to themselves. The sin of Ananias and Sapphira was not of robbing God of money. God doesn't need your money. Hello. Okay, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has gold on the streets of heaven because he walks on it because it's not precious to him. He doesn't need your money. But what does he need? He needs you to not be lying to him. He needs you to not be lying to him. God is not to be tampered with, folks. He's not a nimby-pimby Let's have a part-time God in our lives. He's not to be tampered with. Look at, look at verse 5b. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. And then in verse 11, it says, Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Remember, the nations feared the Israelites because of what God had done for them, bringing them out of Egypt. You, if you read the stories, you hear, oh, but remember what God did for them, bringing them out of Israelites. The same is happening here. Look what God is doing. We need to not tamper with God. And you need to have a fear about messing with God. Because he loves you. But like a good parent, hey, if my kid messes with me, they're going to get a clap. Because I love them more and don't want to leave them in that place. There's a fear that paralyzes. That's the fear. You know, as a kid, do you remember those days with some of you? Do you remember when you were a child and you did something naughty and you were so scared that mommy or daddy were going to find out? Remember that fear? That's the fear that paralyzes us. That's not a healthy fear. And if you're living a life that is opposite to what God calls you to, please have that fear. Do, do have that fear. Because he is going to find out about it. And he is going to call you on it. But there's a fear that mobilizes us, and that fear is called awe and wonder. And that's the fear that says, you are so mighty. I'm actually so scared to come to you, but man, I can't stay away from you that kind of fear. Hebrews 12 verse 28 says, worship God with reverence and with awe because he is almighty and he is big and he is glorious and he's amazing and he's wonderful. But don't mess with him. Don't mess with him. He's not our buddy who sits in the prison with us and goes, hey, chum, <laughs> look, we both got here. Sure. But he's the God who gets us out of the prison and then teach us how to walk. He's not our buddy. He's our rescuer. So how should we then live? It's always the question that I ask myself. How should I then live once I've read this passage? What should I be doing? 
Because I have just a few questions for you. Who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to please? Is it about your reputation or is it about your character? There, is, there isn't measure with which we please people, but it's, but it's because of who God has called us to be and not who man has called us to be. So who are you trying to please? Are you trying to please family? Are you trying to please friends? Are you trying to please a boss? Are you trying to please Francis and Mike? Who, who are you trying to please? Because that's, that's not what God is calling you to. Are you lying to God? Are you living a life like he's called you to? Or are you doing just enough to look good? I read, I read a, a, a passage this last week that said the, what's the Titanic had been built with different compartments in the front. So the thinking was that if one compartment got damaged, the ship could still float because the other compartments would keep it going. So when I told Francis this, he jumped into why the Titanic actually um, sunk, but I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> what I want to encourage you is that we don't have compartments in our lives. I don't have the compartment of work, friends, family, church, community, husband, children, because if one of those compartments go wrong, we're in trouble. Folks, we don't have compartments when we live as Christians. We have Christ one time completely, in every situation. I can't be in the workplace and flick like a sailor and, and go drinking with my friends every night and think that's okay. Because, hey, that's work. But when I come to church, I'm hallelujah, praise the Lord. Isn't he wonderful? Now you're compartmentalizing. Because God is with us in every one of those places. And we need to understand that we cannot lie to God about any of those compartments. Because he doesn't want compartments. He wants all of you. When you proclaim with your lips that Jesus is Lord, then live as if his Lord doesn't matter. Don't deceive yourselves into thinking you've successfully tricked God. I need to pray for you all quickly again. <laughs> Folks, let's, let's not try and trick God. Let, let's not do it. Let's not lie to him. So I thought, so what are some clues about how we're supposed to be living? Because, you know, Ananias and Sapphira were in church. They heard the, the, the apostles powerfully preaching the resurrection of Christ. They, they, they were there in the times of Christ. I mean, they should have got it. They really should have got it. And yet somehow they didn't. And so I don't want to leave you this morning with, okay, you've said it, but now how do I get it? Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40 says, 
Teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first commandment. Folks, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Is there, is there anything he's left out that you don't love the Lord your God with? Is there any area that's been forgotten? Love the Lord, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. This is the first commandment. And the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So when I understand I fully love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and you should be so grateful that I do, because that allows me to love all of you. Understand, if we don't get this one right, this one's not going to be right. And that's why he says, first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And when you've done that, you can love here. Easy peasy. John 15 verse 15 says, if you love me, we've all heard the love languages thing, hey, people love gifts and time. And Well, Jesus has one. It's called obedience. The love language of Jesus is obedience. Second point, Matthew 5, verse 37. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything else comes from the evil one. So where does that leave maybe? Yes or no. Yes, I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm going to live with this. And Francis preached a very good message a, a while ago about what you say yes to, you're saying no to. And what you say no to is so important. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't be double-minded before the Lord. James 5 verse 12 says, Above all my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Look how both Ananias and Sapphira lied. They knew what they were doing. They kept some of the money aside. And remember, it's not about the money. They kept some of that money aside, and then they lied. They were not telling the whole truth. Yes. This is everything. Look what happened. Condemned to die. This is tough, but let's move on. Point C or number three, Galatians 5 verse 22 to 23. This is a nice one. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Such a lucky one. And look what it says. Against these, there is no law. Love, joy, peace. Ah, oh, it's what we all ask for, hey? Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and their forbearance, that forbearance, 
forbearance is just an old word which means patience again. Gentleness, self-control, fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Against these, there is no law. So what are the three points so far? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor, part of that. Be obedient. Number two, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Number three, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If we walk in that, imagine how different our relationships would be. Point four, Mark 12, verse 13 to 7. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Hey, character, not pleasing man. Can you see that? Jesus lived it. If he lived it and he did it, we can do it. He was not concerned about what people said. You pay no attention to, you aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to, their, to who they are, but you teach them the way of God in accordance with the truth. Therefore, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? And we still have those questions today. Should we pay our taxes? But Jesus knew the hypocrisy. Who are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is on this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they said. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. I call this the two T's, taxes and tithes. And people have a problem paying them both. <laughs> There's a thing here that God is talking to you about. So what are the things we looked at? We looked at, number one, say it loudly, Nikki, because nobody's got it. <laughs> Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor. Number two, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let's be honest about what we're saying, not and not lie. Number three, fruits of the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? Number four, oh, nobody wants to say it. The two T's. What are the two T's? Tax and tithe. Folks, God wants, I could have given you a very, 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 very long list of how God wants us to live but I felt that these were possibly the most important. We cannot lie to God. God calls us to live differently. We do not live as of this world, but we live with a foot in the kingdom. And if we're gonna live in the kingdom, we need to have the personalities of a person and the character of a person who lives in the kingdom. That song that says, make me whatever you want me to be. And that's not making you less of who God has called you to be. It's making you more of what God has called you to be. God's not in the business of less. He's in the business of more. 
And he wants you to be more of who he has made you to be, a better you than you could possibly think of being. And it starts by not lying to God. That's where it starts. This was a tough message for me. It really was. In terms of having to bring it this morning, it was tough. But can I tell you that, that these tough messages are for your growth and for my growth. It's not to leave us waddling over there in, in a nice little puddle of water. God is calling you to jump into a beautiful, beautiful swimming pool of water. Not on a cold day, but you, you hear what I'm saying? He wants the more for you. And in this story is him asking you for the more. I was chatting to my brother and just saying, this is quite a message. Imagine if God had to strike everybody here today who's been lying to him. Folks, that's when I ask you to take a minute to just reflect for yourself. What are you lying to God about? Are you more, are you more concerned about seeking people's approval than you are about seeking God's approval? What are the things that you maybe need to put right in your life? And so in line with that, I want to ask you to please stand. I, I cannot do anything for you. I, I, cannot, I, cannot, I cannot absolve you of your sins. I, I cannot make you tell you everything's okay because it's not up to me. This is up to God, and it's God who speaks to us and God who brings things to our attention. The minute we are prepared to step into silence and hear his voice. And so I just want us to have a moment of silence, just a moment. Thank God for everything he has done for you. And I know some of your stories and I know what God has done for you. So thank the Lord. Remember, pride opens the door to every other sin because once we're more concerned with our reputation than our character, there is no end to the things we will do to make ourselves look good before others. What are you doing to make yourself look good before others? Just take a minute. Do a little bit of self-reflection. What are you doing to make yourself look good that you possibly know the Lord is not happy with? And then the one that scares me the most. When you proclaim with your lips that Jesus is Lord, then live as if his Lord doesn't matter. Don't deceive yourselves into thinking you've successfully tricked God. Are you living with holding back from the Lord, holding back everything that you are, everything that he has gifted you with. Michael shared with the setup team about how we are all given gifts. So you're holding back that gift that God has given you because you're scared you're not going to look good if you bring it. Are you holding back your taxes and your tithes because you're scared you won't have enough? What are you doing that God is saying, stop holding back on me I want your all. And understand that when we give him our all, we don't lack. 
because he's in the business of giving more. So just a moment. Lord, I want to thank you for everything you have done for us. Lord, if we had to try and repay you, we would fall short every single time because we cannot ever repay you for the price that you paid for us. But thank you that you love us so much that you paid that price. And Father, I pray for each one of us who are fearful about stepping wholeheartedly into you. That are withholding, that are holding back, that are, that are fearful, that are, that are afraid, that are scared of what people are going to say. Lord, let us look for your approval and your approval only. Because, Father, when we have your approval, it changes us that we do get man's approval. And, Father, that's just the way that you work. Lord, you are just so wonderful and so amazing. And Lord, even when you say that you call us to something, you enable us to walk in that. I, I just, I don't understand where the loss is, Lord. I, I, you know, live by the fruits of the Spirit. What are they? Oh, my word, self-control. I could never do that on my own. But Father, thank you that you give me the gift of the Spirit. And I can live in joy and peace. Thank you, Lord that you call us to the more of you, and in going into the more of you, we get the more. And so, Lord, I just, I commit all of us this morning into your hands and say thank you. Be with us. Help us to remember the things that you've said to us this morning, Lord, because they are the things from you. And Father, may we come this evening with a praise and a thanksgiving because of who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. We would love to know how this message spoke to you. Please connect with us through our website, www.venturechurch.co.za or through our various social channels.